How's everybody doing this morning? You guys solid? We're tired? So I just want to take a second to... Um, man, that was some awesome worship music this morning. I can't, uh, I can't help it. I love that last song. So we're going to do the same thing we did last week. I'm going to give you guys the opportunity to uh, be responsible and uh, move around if you guys need to to, uh, to stop the distractions that sometimes we put ourselves in. Last week we, uh, we confronted sin. We confronted sin in our, in our walk. It was sin that was, what did I say last week? It was sin that was personal. And this sin that's personal in our life, guys, it drives our relationship that we have with Christ. And, and let me explain this to you. Through this lesson today, we're going to focus on Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. This is going to be a two-part message. You guys have me again next week. The, the title of this message is called The Practical Life. Next week is going to be called The Practical Life and Our Responsibility. Oftentimes, as Christians, we, we don't take responsibility for stuff, and, and uh, we need to do that. We need to take responsibility for things that are in our lives, to be exact, things that, that make us stumble, things that trip us up. And last week, when we were speaking, right, we were talking about this sin that's in everybody's lives. It's personal sin in their lives, right? And this solely falls on your shoulders to extinguish, which means when God illuminates a sinful act or a sinful attitude in your life, he illuminates it to you. It falls on your shoulders that you start taking the steps necessary to extinguish that sin that's in your life. So in God tells you, hey, we shouldn't be doing this, and then he's already told you, and now it's up to you to, to, to step aside certain people, certain attitudes. It's up to you to cut those things out of our life. It looks differently for all people, depending on what that struggle may be. Remember, you don't, you don't share the same struggle I do, right? And, and, and we have to approach these struggles differently. So what worked for me may not work for Jess, and what worked for Jess may not work for you guys. So we have to see these things. We seek out godly counsel in our lives, and we find these things when God illuminates them, and we just cut them off. Last week we spoke about the theological word of sin, right, and what it meant. I gave you two different theologians. This week we're going to talk about sanctification. Okay, sanctification has a three-part meaning. Okay, now listen to me. Three-part meaning. There's positional sanctification. This is your standing before God, right? Whether that's when you come to Christ in your relationship, like you hear him calling on you, and you answer that call, and you admit that he's Lord and Savior, right? Your position now in front of God is you're covered in Jesus' blood, and that you are found sinless because of what? Christ's action on the cross, right? That's positional sanctification. The next one's experiential sanctification. This is where we're going to dwell at today. This is where we dwell at with these sins, which means, listen to this. This is your daily walk with Jesus. Daily. Although the believer position in Jesus Christ is secure, which means you can't lose your salvation. No matter what action you do, you can't lose your salvation. Okay? You guys are secure in Christ, but this part of your Christian walk, it fluctuates up and down with the path that you're on. Right? So if we are if we are 
in Glorietta, and we're on cloud nine, and there's none of these, ex no, none of these bad examples around us, guys. We have this awesome communion with God. There's nothing distracting us, so we are walking the way we should, right? Then we come back from Glorietta, and we come to Las Vegas, and we start hanging out with all these old friends, and then we start declining, right? We start getting stuck in all these lows and all these sins in our life, and then our walk is actually kind of slowed down. It's kind of stumbled. We, we have this sin in our life that needs to be dealt with. Uh, David speaks of this sin. Go to Psalm 32 real quick. Hold your spot on um, Romans. Go to Psalm 32. David explains some sin that he had going on in his life, and I'm not going to read all of it, but Psalm 32 reads like this, verse 1. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. So we have a lot of guys and girls in this room that play sports. What's it like playing sports in summer? Right? What's it like? You feel when you're after practice, you're like drained. You're like wore out. You, you come, I don't know, limping in from the day and you just, your vitality is drained out of you. And this is what, this is what David is saying with the sin that he had in his life that he wasn't dealing with. It like sucked his energy out of him. In some versions you read, it actually says he could feel the sin in his bones. It means it affects you. It harms you. It makes you stumble. So this week, as I said, we're talking about sanctification, and we're going to go back to Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. We got two verses today. Two. I heard that sometimes when I go through too much scripture that it muddies the water. So we're going to sit here in Romans 12 verses 1 and 2. So God's word reads like this. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So let's pray real quick. Lord, we give you our hearts this morning, Father. And we pray that this these bars of scripture, Lord, that they just take hold of us. They grab hold of us, Lord. They, they touch our hearts. Father, let us come to this relationship where we know that we need you. And Father, we just need you in everything that we do. Father, speak to us this morning through your word and guide us and direct us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to get started like this, okay? Romans 12, this is why this is a two-part lesson. Romans 12, it, it becomes, okay, who knows anything about Romans real quick? 
right? It's a heavy theological book, which means there's a lot of, there's a lot of views in, in Romans where people like to argue and, and dispute things. And uh, I'm one of them. I love talking about theology. But check this out. Romans 12, when you get to Romans 12, it shifts gear. It, take, it comes out of the theology base and it goes into the practical life, which means this is you guys going to start applying what you just learned through the first 11 chapters of Romans. Now, we don't have time to cover all of that, but what we do have is this. Romans 12 is where you start acting upon the truths that you know in God. So no more do we just think about it as head knowledge, but we start thinking it as in what? Life knowledge. So this is where the head knowledge meets the foot knowledge, and then we start walking with our knowledge in the way that the Lord has instructed us. So we talked about sin last week, and we talked about how it trips us up. So here it is, when God is sanctifying us daily in our Christian walk, because that's what he does, he sanctifies us, he tells us things that we need to cut out, things we need to stop. We walk a certain manner. Now this is where we get some tools to where we understand what we should be doing. So we're not walking blindly. A lot of times, baby Christians, when, when they accept the Lord, what happens to them? They don't know what to do. Like, they don't know what to walk. They don't know what's right, wrong. They don't know if they are coming or going. So there's all these different things. Well, this is where it hits the ground, and this is where it starts. Now, I want to draw your attention to verse 1. It's, it's simple. Therefore. What is that therefore? Therefore. It means to refer back to the first 11 chapters so we know what we're doing, right? We're not going to refer back, but I'm going to say, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Now, we're going to stop there. What does it mean to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice? Present your bodies. What's it mean? Ah, actually, it, it is give your life up. It is give your life up. Like, give, when you become a Christian, you're giving your life up for Christ. Think about it. You're giving your life up for Christ, which means it's no longer just strictly what you want to do. It's what God is willing you to do, what God's telling you to do. So you're ultimately, what are you doing? You're giving your life up. See, so, so before we trusted Christ, listen, we used our bodies for sinful actions, did we not? Before we trusted Christ, we used our body for, our body for sinful actions, pleasures, purposes. But now that we belong to him, how should we be move, using our body? What? For him. This is where our disconnect is in our Christian walk. Okay, we're going to speak about a disconnect. I tell everybody that there's many parts of the body of Christ, right? There's fingers, there's toes, there's feet, there's legs. How come we are outweighing the body with butt cheeks? Like, we don't move. And that's what we're called to do. Like, we're called to move. We're called to act upon the faith that we have in Christ. See, but we like to dwell in this area that we think is gray. Right? There's that gray word again that we've spoke about for the last two weeks. We think it's gray. We think that, you know, the Bible really doesn't say this, so I'm just going to do this. But listen, what does the Bible say? It says, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. This present is present tense. It means that it's a daily 
action. It's a daily sacrifice. Daily. And if we don't daily give ourselves up for Christ, what are we doing? We're losing. We're losing the battle. Daily, we should be giving up our life. So last week, because this is one of last week's verses, but I thought to myself, like, I didn't touch base on it enough, so we're going to go about it this direction. You heard me last week when I said, should we tattoo our bodies? And everybody was like, well, it depends what it is. Then there was other people that were like, no. You guys remember that, right? And then I shared about my tattoos. But listen, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, do, not, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, what is that therefore, therefore? You have been bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This is a big old envelope sweeping thing of sin. We, we spoke about music. We spoke about movies. We spoke about friends. We spoke about, I left all this stuff up here. We spoke about all this stuff. Is any of this, is any of this always glorifying to God? No. So these verses are taking the gray area away from conversations. It's saying you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. It's not black. It's not black. And, I mean, it's not gray. It's black and white. Now, we'll have the argument. We can have the argument over music, but I'm not going to go that far today. That's fine. So this is the sanctification process. This is where we're stepping up to, okay? So we must realize our sins and be eternal minded. So if we start looking at everything in our lives, we're going to look at it as a big round bowl, right? Big round circle. You're looking at it right now. Is it eternal-minded? Is your life eternal-minded? See, if we start looking at our whole person as being eternal, listen, the things that you can see, right, they're going to pass away. It's gone. So when we think about eternalness, we should be thinking about heaven. So the things that we have in our life, are they eternal-minded? What's most important to you? Some of it was music. I've seen that, right? But what's most important to you? Is it eternal-minded? And therefore, when we're, when we're presenting our bodies to God on a daily basis, we should be looking at this eternal-mindedness. It's a big subject, is it not? It's big. And some of you guys are already glazed over right now on me. You're like, but check this out. Stay with me. Okay, stay with me. 1 John 3, 6. Listen to this. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Now, is this talking about just a regular sin in your life? No. It's talking about a, a, a blatant sin, which means, you know what? I know God's word is this, but I'm not going to listen to it. So in your guys' life, look at your, look at your life. Are you guys honestly approaching your life being kingdom-minded? Are you approaching your life thinking about what's eternal? We get stuck in here and now, what we can see, what we can touch, and there's so much more to the Christian life. Our focus daily should be on God, and our decisions should be, through, be viewed through faith. So what decisions do you guys have looming on you right now? Because everybody has something. 
Everybody has a decision. So what decision do you have looming on you right now? And I'm going to give you three practical things. And you guys are going to write these down because I'm the writing down type of guy. And I'm the underlying type of guy. If you don't have a pen here, there's all kinds of pens right here. Anybody got a pen? Stick one in Jake's mouth. Everybody got a pen? So we're going to write these down. Dude, you guys are some unprepared youth. Here, pass the jar. Pass the jar. Okay? So check this out. I'm going to give you these three things that you guys are going to count that you guys are going to write down. If I were focused on God, our decisions should be viewed the same way, which means you're not going to make a decision that's apart from God. Not one decision. Every decision you guys make in your life should be viewed. I'm sure there's more, but this is my list of three. Ready? If you guys choose to do it, it goes like this. You should count the cost of what you're doing. I love that. Count the cost. Okay, but here we go. Here's number one. The title is count the cost. Number one is this. Walk with Christ. Does the decision that you're about to make, is it going to further your walk with Christ? Is it going to bring you closer to the Lord? The next question, or the next one is, number two, is it going to glorify God? And number three is... Uh, is it going to bring me closer to godly people? Something I've learned so far since I became a Christian, something I've learned is that if I wake up in the morning and I have the wrong mindset, if I wake up in the morning and I don't present myself to God saying, Lord, I can't do it without you, like, use me today, Father, use me. Like, if I don't present myself to the Father, I have a messed up day. This is my life, right? I have a messed up day. See, it, if I wake up late, if I, if I get off my routine and I stop doing Bible studies and I stop taking in God's Word, and I... There's just so many different things that affect our walk as, as Christians, right? And we have to be able to start holding some of these things back. And we don't hold nothing back. We are a type of people that we're like, we, we can't say no to things. Just bring it on in. You know what? It's not going to affect me. It's not going to bother me. But God's word says that we are to present our body a holy, right? A sacrifice, and if we sacrifice ourselves to God, if we give it to God, yes, nothing can affect us. But if we don't give it to God, if we just sit there and don't take his word in and don't do Bible studies and we don't dwell on things that are good and wholesome and lovely and excellent, if we just sit here and we take in all this carnal, carnal nonsense, God, it affects our walk. And that's what's being said through Romans 12 is now that you know all this stuff through Romans 11, now that you know that Christ died for you, now that you know that he resurrected, that he ascended into the right hand or into heaven and he sits on the right hand of power, that he, 
that what? He is changing you from the inside out. If we know all these things, now we should start acting like it. We should start obeying them. We should start following them. We should start seeking them. We should start doing things that are kingdom-minded. And to stop at saved by grace through faith. That's the beginning of our knowledge. It, that's where we start, not where we stop. See, Christ says it like this, if anyone wishes to follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross. What does that mean? Deny himself. Deny what the body is telling you to do. Remember when we talked about sin? I said that we have this nature to sin, right? We, are, we have this obligation inside. That's part of denying ourself. That's part of denying that action that's going to that's gonna eat at us. So we should deny ourselves. Pick up our cross and follow him. So in your guys' own lives, think about this for a minute. Where's your sacrifice? Because God doesn't say you can have a relationship with my son, Jesus Christ, and have everything that this world offers. That's called the prosperity message. And that's not, it's not biblical. So you show me where it says, prove I'm wrong with scripture. Where does it say you're going to have everything? Where does it say that life's going to be good? Where does it say that you guys aren't going to hit hardships? Where does it say that you can do this without the Father? Where does it say that you don't need anybody? That we can take in all this garbage and be just fine? Show me with Scripture. It doesn't say it. So if it doesn't say it, it means it's not there. Do you get it? We are basing our lives on stuff that's gonna be gone one day. It's not eternal. Pray about stuff. Seek God. Seek His guidance. Seek His love. And I like this one. Seek His forgiveness. Because you know what? In Christ, all sins are forgiven. All sins are forgiven. And you're not obligated to nobody no more to do nothing. All sins are forgiven. Every single one of them. So when it says, living in a holy sacrifice, look at the word. You're going to underline this right here. You're going to underline living, holy sacrifice, and I love this one. Your guys' virgins might say other things, but acceptable to God. Think about the Old Testament when they used to sacrifice animals, right? What did that animal have to be? Without a blemish, it was perfect, right? That was acceptable to God. It was pleasing to God. So we are to do the same thing through our acceptable to God. It's pleasing to Him. So we should start every morning out wanting to please the Father in heaven, right? So we should be saying, Father, Take my heart, Lord. Take my heart. But too often we say, God, let me have my heart. Let me have that back today because I'm going to do some stuff. You're not going to know what I'm going to do because you ain't around me. Wrong. Wrong. That's the wrong lifestyle. And also the wrong lifestyle is to continue on sin. Paul says, shall we keep on sin so grace may abound? Certainly not. Right? We should start cutting those actions right there. So I asked you one more time, where's your sacrifice at? Where's the sacrifice? Is there any sacrifice? Any at all? 
Somebody give me some sacrifice. You're kidding me. Guys, there's got to be something in our lives that we're saying that we're not going to do. There's got to be something that we say, you know what? That's not good. It's not wholesome. It's not... Philippians 4.8. I went over it last week. Where's that? Let me find it. Philippians. Back. Wrong way. Wrong way. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Ready? No. I passed it. Right here. Here it is. Philippians 4.8. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good of repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Dwell on the excellencies of God, not on what the world has to offer us. Now, can we have some, can we dwell on the excellencies of God and still have things that the world says is cool? Can we be a famous football player? Yes. Can we, can we have fancy cars? Yes. Can we have a mansion, as Jess would say, and not a water hut, like I said? Yes. We can have those things. But we are to have those things by honoring God throughout the whole thing. By honoring God. Where's our honor? Where's our integrity? Where's our love for the Lord? When when um do you guys read Yahoo News at all? At all? Did you guys did you guys read the story this week that was out about um, the Satanist that started his own church, like right down the road, like is in Texas or something, like in the like, dude. Don't they all like wear yeah, they're they're pretty crazy, but but check this out. He started a, a Satanist church. I, I forget the real name for it, but all these Christians were out there picketing the church, and um, one pastor from like Africa prayed that God would send wild dogs to eat the flesh off his skin. Is that a becoming prayer? That man is lost. That man needs Jesus. And there was a church like 15 miles down the road and this pastor came out and he started talking. He said, guys, I don't want to see you guys picketing. Why? Because that's not Christ's love. And a year later, that Satanist walked into his church and wanted to have a conversation with him. And four hours later, that Satanist gave his life to the Lord. About two weeks later, the Satanist, now Christian, his wife came to the Lord. About two weeks after that, he baptized his wife, and then he was baptized into the faith. So there's nothing any of you guys have ever done that cannot be covered and forgiven by the blood of Jesus. But it's because that Satanist seen an example from a pastor that said, look, we're not going to do this. What we're going to do, we're going to pray about this. And through that prayer, a man was saved a year later and his wife. We're talking about the grace of God, guys. 
the grace of God. So when we're sitting here and we're talking about Romans 12, what do you think that pastor did to his congregation? He urged them, right? Present your bodies a living and a holy sacrifice acceptable to God. Don't fall into this whole picketing thing that the world does. Don't do it, right? And through it, it's your spiritual worship to God, which means that when we offer up our bodies, we tell God, God, I'm not going to fall back into that behavior and I'm going to count on the spirit of God that dwells inside of me that I'm not going to go that back direction. He's going to say, yes, that's what I'm talking about. You got it. You've learned it. Now do it daily. Daily. You get it. Daily, we should be killing ourselves, our sinful nature, just to, just to worship God. And when we don't, you're not walking with the Lord. It's that simple. So we're going to move on to, for obedience, right? Check this out. So we're going, to, we're going to jump on over to obedience now. So after you guys have, that's your worship to God. And, and I love this because it's your obedience. You're following him. And then there's these fruits that come in the later chapter of verse 12 that I'm going to teach you guys on next week. So when we offer our bodies up to God and it's a living sacrifice and he's well pleased with us. Now, instruction, it says, do world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that may, you may prove what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect think about everything you guys take in on a daily basis. We're not going to read our Bible. We're not going to do any Bible studies. We're not going to listen to worship music. We're not going to listen to that stuff. We're going to listen to totally, completely secular thought controlling of your mind. It's conforming you. You may not agree with it, but I do because God's word says it, right? It's starting to conform you to where we see actions. If you think I'm wrong, turn on the news. Once again, Yahoo News, right? Homosexuality, marriage. That's the biggest thing that they're stuffing down our throat, right? We're like this. Whatever. We don't stand up. We don't say nothing. What about, what about this one? I love this one. Abortion. Abortion. I'm not doing it. That she did it, but you know what? I'm not going to say nothing. We're seeing the evils of the world come around us, and we're just going, it's cool. Then at school, we make fun. We bag on people. We, we hurt people's feelings. We, we just walk through this whole thing like it's okay. What are you doing? You're being conformed to what the world does. I hurt feelings all the time when I say a joke. People don't know how to take me half the time. When I joke, they're like, was he being serious or was? <laughs> I think he just hurt my feelings, but I don't know because I think he was joking. Believe me, I know how to deliver a joke that nobody takes, but check this. I'm the king of it. Jess will be like, that was so rude. And I was like, I thought it was funny. <laughs> but what am I doing? If I think I'm being funny and they don't, what have I ultimately done? hurt their feelings and then they're gonna be like man that Brooks he's a jerk and I'm my wife would be like not always sometimes he's cool I don't know but I'm being serious I deliver these jokes guys that are just they're funny to me and they're funny to a couple people around me but then there's the dude I made fun of and they're like hold on a minute did he just insult me raise your hand if you've got one of those jokes for me before right you're like uh dang it I yeah Kristen's got her hands way up high. So check I love this. When you guys walk the things that they're pushing on us, that's the truth, right? Check this out. What 
garden. What happened? Tactics still work to this day. What did Satan do with Adam and Eve in the garden? What did you say? He made Eve think the apple was good. What happens? Social media. What happens on the news? What do they try doing? They try taking a sinful act and making it look good. And then, oh, know any better because we're not in our word and we're like, yeah, that ain't bad. That's cool. We're just justifying what's happening. So as Christians, right, when we're taking in all this stuff, we don't need it because it, it bogs us down. It, it just holds us down. So we're going to focus on the second part. So it's going to be 2B. It says be transformed by your mind. Now, to make you guys write stuff. Ready? God transforms our minds and makes us more spiritually minded. God transforms our minds or our mind and makes us more spiritually minded. And you say, how? Write these down. By using his word. And then through using his word, there's a few disciplines that run through there. There's meditation on God's word. There's memorization of God's word. And I love this. Make God's word part of your inner person. Make God's word part of your inner person. Now, I want to say this. For some of you guys that have an actual Bible study routine, for some of you guys that actually wake up either in the morning, which I'm a big advocate for, or you do it at night, which I'm not such an advocate for, but I'm just excited if you're in your word, you guys that have a discipline in reading the word and being in the word and living the word, when you guys get extremely busy, what's the first thing that leaves your routine? God's Word. You're like, you know, I got football practice, I got softball practice, I got homework, I got this, I got that, I got all these different things, and the first thing that we push out is God's Word. Like that's going to help anything. So if there is no God's word, if there's no discipline, if now I'm going to use a little analogy here. Can you go a couple days? Can you go a week or two or three weeks or whatever without uh, taking in God's word and still maintain somewhat of an active Christian lifestyle? Can you do it? I would say, yeah. You know why? Because you can put gas in a car once a month. But that gas is only going to take you so far, and it's going to take you so long, and then sooner or later, you're going to go on a trip that you guys aren't filled up for, and then it's going to hit rock bottom. You're going to be broke down on the side of the road with your wife yelling at you and the two kids pushing it in the back, right? That's what's going to happen. Eventually, that's what happens in our Christian life when we don't get in the Word, when we don't fill our tanks up, when we don't start meditating, when we don't take it in, when we don't memorize it. Sooner or later, you're going to go on a trip with people, and you're going to be like, I'm gassed out. 
I got nowhere else to go. I got no tools in my toolbox. I got nothing to help me. And that's what happens. It's the world pushing in on us and we're not pushing back off of us. We're just letting it come in and hit us. We're like, oh, give me all you got. We should be pushing back and we push back through meditation. We push back through spiritual fasting. We push back through memorization. We push back by getting in God's word, reading God's word, Bible studies, being with people that are going to lead you on the right road and people that are not going to take you down the wrong road. We're going to do it through prayer, right? We're going to pray about these things. We're going to, we're going to seek the Lord in everything that we do. And then when the world pushes on us, God's going to be like, look, I got you. You've put your work in. I've been renewing your mind. Now you can stand, you can fight, you can make this trip. I got you. I got you. It's not you got it. It's I got you. I can't beat on this enough with you guys because you guys are soon, a lot of you guys are soon to be graduated. And when you go out and you get out of the youth group, you're going to be like, wow, Brooks ain't there to tell me what to do. I got to do this on my own. Mom and dad ain't here to tell me what to do. I got to stand on my own two feet. Sharpen our tools now, you're going to lose when you get out of the house and you're going to plummet like I did. Well, I didn't have the Lord of that. You're going to plummet like Jess, okay? I didn't have the Lord, okay? But like the handsome young stud like myself, and you're going to be like, what's up? No, I'm joking. No, you guys. All right, but seriously, listen to this. This is how it should work. We will prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. What do your friends say about you when you're not around? If I were to meet one of your friends, what would they tell me if you weren't standing there? I'd be like, hey, how's my little homie doing? You know he's a Christian. I'm his youth pastor, right? They'd be like, he's a Christian? What do your friends say about you when you're not around? You will see the merit in a man by what his friends say when he's not around. You'll learn quickly if you have a guy that's full of integrity. You'll learn quickly if you have a guy that is honest, right? That works hard. I found out, I found out a guy that I had helping me when I wouldn't come around, when I had a different job and I had to jump around, I found out when I wasn't around this dude like, Oop, hit neutral and worked against me. So in your guys' life, what would your friends say about you? And if you're thinking to yourself like, man, I don't know what they would say about me. That means that we have some unconforming to do. It means that we need to start focusing on the Lord and stop focusing on all this stuff over here. And we need to start focusing on the Lord so there will be a renewing of the mind. And without the renewing, you guys are going to be conforming because that's the opposite. Tell me in, in verse 2 where it says, uh, sh show me the gray area. I believe it's pretty plain, black and white. Do not be conformed, but be transformed. Conformed, transformed. I don't see it. I've looked. And I love this in 2B. It says, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Think about, think about uh, Jesus, right? When he was about to be crucified, he said what? Not my will, but your will be done. He's talking about the Father in heaven, God's will being done in his life. 
That's, that's how he approached it. And I, I love this. This came to me this morning as I was reading over these notes when I found out I had Bieber in my notes is, do you ever hear anybody complain about the Bible when it comes to salvation? Do you ever hear anybody go like, oh, shucks, man. God saved me. I can't believe you did that. Do you ever hear it? But you know what we hear? Dang it. God says this is bad, and I shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> I'm not going to listen to that. Or, you know what? I, I just, I can't believe that, that God says that, that love has no, you know, gender. I can't believe that. We complain about God's word in every avenue that has nothing to do with our salvation. We accept salvation, free gift to God, right? We treat it like a Christmas present on Christmas. We're like, hey, cool, Dad, this is awesome. And a week later, it's broken the trash can, right? But we treat our salvation as if it was just, yes, I'm saved, but I don't believe everything else that this is saying. That's called being a buffet Christian, which means you pick and take what you want. You pick and take what you want. Now, you want me to tell you what your life is supposed to be? We're about to wrap this up. Listen to me clearly. Matthew 5, 13, and 16, Jesus tells his disciples, we are the salt of the earth, and we are to be light. You don't have to go there if you don't. If we lose our taste and we cover up our light for the world, we are worthless. But we are to let our light shine before men in such a way that we may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Meaning, when we're around people, we should let our light shine. We should be salt. We should give things taste by this light shining. It's when God illuminates the darkness in our life. That's what we should be doing in our Christian life. If we're not conformed and we're renewed by His Word, we should be walking according to that Word. And when we're walking according to that Word, men and people around you are going to see a difference. And it's not that you guys are so much different, but it's that Christ is living through you and they can sense the love and the joy and the peace and the happiness and the faithfulness. They can sense your self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's what they see. That's what they, that's what they touch. And then they're going to be like, what's so different about you? And you're going to go, because I know the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you like to know something about him? But instead, we take in all this garbage that they take in, and we go, you want to know a little bit about Christ? And they're like, nah, we're cool, man. You got him. I don't. And we act the same. So it is this thing of not our will, but God's will be done. And then we are to be salt, we are to be light. And I love that faith without works is dead, meaning that if you just say you have faith in God, but you don't do anything about it, your faith is dead. It means it's worthless. It's like salt that lost the taste and a light nobody can see it. So I'm going to address two people. I'm going to address two people in this room real quick. I'm going to address the Christians right now. Christians, understand how important your life is to the gospel. 
understand it's your guys' relationship with Jesus Christ, right? That people see, when you guys go out into the world, people see this relationship. People shouldn't just have to ask you, are you a Christian, to know that you're a Christian. It should just be outflowing from you. Which means, guys, someone says, hey man, what's up? Why are you so happy? Man, you know what? I had this awesome prayer time this morning. God illuminated this in my life and I'm going to start working on it. Like, who's had a message about the gospel this week? Who's told anybody about the gospel? That's a problem. We should be telling people about the gospel. We should be going out. We should be telling people. Everywhere Jesus went, people were like, man, this dude is different. And we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We have this relationship with Jesus Christ. And this relationship just, it should flow out of us. And if there's no outflow, it's because there's no inflow. You guys aren't taking nothing in. The message is urgent. Why is it urgent? Because eternity for somebody sits on your shoulders to share the gospel with them. Somebody's eternity is at stake. You may be the only avenue that they'll ever hear the gospel. Non-Christians, the message of the cross in Christ is real. Jesus did live a sinless life. Jesus did die. He defeated death. He raised three days later. He walked around the earth for 40 days and he did ascend into heaven. And he did leave us the Holy Spirit to empower us. It's real. Okay? And you guys say, well, I don't know if it is real. Well, guess what? There's over 5,200 manuscripts written about Jesus' perfect sinless life. 5,200. The proof is in the pudding. I like to say that too, right? It ain't false. It's true. So, salvation, salvation, if you hear God talking to you, if you hear Him knocking on your heart, I would, I would instruct you to get with one of the leaders that are in this room, and I would say that you should repent of your sins, and you should ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and change you. Now, my Christians, this is the third type of people, my Christians that are weak in faith right now, listen to me, get into God's word. Get into it. Because there ain't no change unless you get into it. The proof. Okay, there's nothing more important in your guys' lifestyle than taking in God's word. There's nothing more important than what you can do in a day. There's not a trigonometry problem or a whatever more important than reading God's word for 20 minutes a day. Devotions, two-minute devotions are good, but they're not sufficient. Think about how much gas you're putting into your tank on a daily basis. Now, are you going to be able to withstand the torments of the devil when he blows on the side of your house? Think about it that way. So I'm going to pray for you guys. If you guys need somebody, please find us. Find us. And we would love to uh, have a conversation with you about, about it.